0: Okay. It is good to be back with Paul Moore. I think there's no way this podcast would exist without Paul Moore. That's that's probably what I should say. Even before podcasting was a thing, you were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> back in the uh, <laughs> back in the movie days.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was yes. There was some there was some podcasting going on from from me, uh, with others. Yeah. Was it even called work? podcasting? It was called podcasting. Yeah. I mean, this was early. Um, yeah. Early in the days when the iTunes, I guess what was called iTunes marketplace launched podcasts. Right. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, there were only five of us and <laughs> here we were, I think we were just, <laughs> we were just doing it, but definitely before things like, you know, like the show Serial or something came out yeah. and, and made it huge or especially now apparently covid is like everybody has a podcast. Well, I never yeah, and apparently people are just consuming them like yeah. Crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, thanks for thanks for pushing me in this direction. So it's been a while since we talked. Mm-hmm. And it's been a while since we talked on on the air <laughs> on the airwaves. Yeah. Um and certainly not in all of 2020. We never made a single podcast together. No. And here we are in 2021. So, I don't know. I mean, my sense is <laughs> I don't know. We have some maybe some catching up to do. I kind of want to ask um, what what's your feeling sense right now? I mean, we're on the <laughs> we're still in a, the pandemic, but thankfully, although it's worse than ever, California has decided, "Hey, let's reopen." Um, and along with a lot of other places, which is strange. And, um, I noticed the other day, CNN was not posting their ominous death tolls. Um, you know, the ticker, maybe you don't watch TV. Do you watch TV?
1: Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I, different, I, yeah, for different occasions, let's say.
0: So it's been a weird year. What's, I mean, what, what, what have you been doing in 2020? And, and maybe, I, maybe I mean that in the sense of your own psycho spiritual being, Yeah. And that's the kind of terrain I'd like to talk about. Cause that often, yeah. What, maybe that's a starting place. What have you been doing in, in 2020?
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm totally, and I'm totally, um, up for, answering that it's not a float a thought floated through my head which is like because you brought up the podcast you know existing because of me there might there might be some unpacking as to like why did we do this in the first place it might be irrelevant it doesn't matter i'm just throwing that out there it's just a mental note um like like context
0: i can answer that i think um well, the very first podcast that we ever made, we never released because it was basically a lot of swearing and drinking and complaining about fundamentalism, but yeah. very cathartic. And um, and then we started making them about the time I was exiting Mars Hill. And yeah. I had no job and no prospects, and I was deep in a kind of descent, underworld yeah. place.
1: Yeah, and I, and if I think it was kind of an esoteric experiment in because you've been doing so much standing on a stage and giving sermons, it was like, well what if what if there was just a conversation that was happening real time you know, between two people who are largely struggling with the same things and then what comes out sort of in the moment? Mm-hmm. Of those things, and th- yeah, I think they were they were a lot of fun. I don't know how rewarding they were to listen to, but as far as making them, I found them really. <laughs> they're rewarding. the most
0: downloaded. They're the most downloaded ones I have. They're also well. the oldest, so, so I don't know which is if it's because they've been around a while or if people mm. still like it. I think well, people, this
1: episode will put that to the test. <laughs> the least downloaded. I'm going to take <laughs> out some Facebook ads.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, and I don't know, and we've also just. Uh, continued on a kind of spiritual journey.
1: Yeah. It felt so fresh at the time to sort of, I don't know, break away maybe from the sense of being, you know, part of an institution. And then it was like, we have to talk about this, but now it just sort of feels like, yeah, that's, that just never stops happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, the, 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 the path is never, there's no end to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, here we are. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, that might be a way to get uh, to come back to the 2020 question like what's been going on in this strange year? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so for me, I had a good friend that probably a week into the shutdown. so in in Michigan, I think I want to say it was somewhere around March thirteen was usually a seminal moment, especially for those of us that have kids, because that was when the schools closed, and everyone was like, right. this shit is real. Um, and Yeah, about a week into that, a friend of mine who, who's been doing meditation for a long time reached out and said, do you want to do a meditation group? And I said, sure. And I've been sort of meditating in a, what I would now in retrospect, you know, describe as like a really non-disciplined or really non-focused kind of way um and so that was that was immediately something that started to really kind of transform like my experience of the whole pandemic right uh also I'm, i'm one of the lucky ones that didn't have like a huge personal financial crisis due to the um Due to the whole thing, in fact, I'm, the work that we do. Uh, it, so I I've, I've run with my uh, with my my good friends and colleagues this uh, startup entrepreneur organization, and for for several years now, we've really been focused on closing the inequality gap and bringing you know racial equality into business ownership and. Mm-hmm. Uh, And just people getting cool things off the ground. And all of those things became incredibly relevant very fast as, you know, the business community took the first brunt of the storm of COVID. And then uh, everything that sparked from uh, George Floyd's killing, you know, was this next sort of pandemic that swept through the summer uh, a lot of the work that we do just became very, very interesting to a lot of people, and so, uh, you know, on a on a professional level, it's actually, um, you know, we're one of those strange cases in which things seem to be um, move. We seem to have more momentum, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the year than we did at the beginning. By the way, I just I, let me just interject here
0: because I think it's interesting that your organization and the group that you're working with. Has been wrestling with questions that are in the in the dominant mainstream consciousness now, bef- like for a long time, <laughs> before yeah. before uh, the George Floyd incident and, and before all these protests and stuff. Yeah. Um, and w- would you say that that you're experiencing less resistance to the work that you're at right now, or the work that you're doing right now in the?
1: in the kind of West Michigan culture or yeah. So probably a, a, probably a good way of describing it is I think in the, in the past, if you were to come at it head on and just say, um, all data points to the fact that there's a massive inequality, um, when it comes to, uh, you know, people either starting businesses or owning businesses, uh, who are black and Hispanic versus people who are white. Um, like that's, as far as the numbers prove out, it's, it's not an issue, right? It's just, uh, as some people would say, there's a, you know, talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. For some reason, opportunity just sort of seem to come and stay inside of the white community. Um, if you were to bring that up prior to this, you know, last year, um, I think the general response would be like, yeah, but I mean, doesn't that seem... Like it's, you know, maybe there's something else. I mean, maybe it has to do with just general income or, or that seems like something like that's a good thing, but is that really like a, the most pressing thing or, you know, well maybe we should, maybe we should just, uh, you know, educate black and brown people more about business and it would sort of just kind of like dissipate into the. Uh, definitely not at the top of the agenda of any conversation space. Mm-hmm. And usually like, you know, let's just pick that up later. Um, but then, yeah, I think with this year, it suddenly became for whatever reason, just, you know, the pandemic sort of clarified, like there's this inequality is deep and it's across every facet of life. And, you know, we can either choose to look at it and and address it in a way that's actually... Um, that's actually like a sort of a one to one, right? <laughs> what do you mean? No. Um. Well, I mean, like, if 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 the problem is having access to capital, mm. then why don't we address the problem with creating access to capital, right? Um. Let's come up with a new financial instrument that's not a traditional bank loan that you can just put right into uh, a business. Mm-hmm. Um. Or or let's just you know. J- create something that actually like fits the problem, you know, versus trying to always ask the problem to please adapt to what already exists. Well, what already exists, you know, was, was built largely by guys like you and me that um, had a lot of influence and a lot of power. And we understood our own problems really, really well, but we didn't understand what the barriers were for people that didn't look like us Mm -hmm. very well. So we created solutions that fit, fit us and didn't necessarily fit other people um i'm kind of dialing this back because i know that uh there's there's still a lot of like there's a there's a lot of complic. what am i saying i mean i think that i think that right now it's still a pretty politically dicey place because um because there's 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 a lot of None of these, none of these things are, are easy. You know, there's, I think there's some people, um, that are trying to make everything just purely about racism. Mm -hmm. And I think that the reality is like our country was born with racism. We grew up with racism. it sort of wove its way into every institution and, you know, social layer of, of our country. Um, but no, it isn't, it isn't the silver bullet, you know? And if any of these Mm -hmm. things had a silver, silver bullet, we would have already found it. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a resistance to definitely to point to racism as the, as the only problem we have, but then also the pendulum is often then swung the other way. And then it's like, well, let's just put it back in the closet and not look at it. It's like, well, let's just. Let's look at a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, know? let's let's just get creative with whatever we have in our hands today to be mm-hmm. creative with and try to solve some real problems as opposed to some, you know, some bullshit well, problems. Yeah, well, this I,
0: I find interesting. First of all, like, um, I think, although I just know kind of from from a distance, the work that you're involved in seems and is important and is. In some ways about the long slog. In fact, maybe 2021 is more of an opportunity to look at some of these things when especially if the temperature goes down a bit. Because mm. I, I don't think um, the polls, the extremes have helped the conversation. You know no. you've, got, you've got people rioting in the capital um, with, you know, Nazi T-shirts on, and you don't know how big that group is. Yeah. But they're definitely dominating one pole of the conversation, and then you have also on the other hand you have the Black Lives Matter protests that turn violent and burn cop cars down, you know, or up, and right. you know, looted buildings, and and that seems to be that's not the the racial conversation. Um, it's just like a flashpoint, right? And I think people become very defensive one way or the other. Yeah. Like if I if I if I don't feel like marching in the streets in a protest does that mean you know i'm a white supremacist right or if i support merit based economy or something like that when it, then does that make me a racist right you know. <laughs> right yeah. and, may, and maybe the short answer is the way i, f- I feel about racism is, is is i feel everybody carries a, a measure of it I mean, yeah I, th- I mean every single person yeah, you know, from an evolutionary point of view, if we could say that out loud more often, yeah. I think it's like, um, we don't have to have such a defensive posture. I'm sure sh- mm-hmm. I, I have racist tendencies that I know of, and I have racist tendencies that I don't know of. <laughs> right. And both of those matter. Yeah. Um, that's just called being an American. I guess. <laughs> well, I think it's my, I think it's being a human. I mean, yeah, even when I moved to Israel, Israel was such an interesting experiment because not my country, not my place. Mm-hmm. And at first I couldn't even tell the difference between an Israeli and a Palestinian. It didn't take me very long though. Right. I figured it out quite quickly yeah. using all the metrics that you can think of like clothing and skin color and accent and um, the kinds of, I already said clothing, um, right. and even even how one is carrying themselves in public. And it's kind of, it's kind of alarming when you realize that Pretty quickly, instinctually, you can divide the world up like that, say. Yeah.
1: Safe, unsafe, acceptable, unacceptable. Well, I, I think there is a particularly malicious kind of flavor um, to racism in in the U.S. And, I, and I'm calling it out, I, th- I think it's rooted in, you know, going back to, like, we socially accepted, constitutionally accepted that one race was going to be slaves, you know, and Mm -hmm. one was going to own them. (laughs) And, and I think that a a lot of people I think can be like, well, that was just a really, really long time ago, but it's like the, um, it's, if you look at them as sort of a, a, a a row of dominoes, you know, that go on a table that goes back into like, you know, five rooms away into the house. You may never, you may never even feel a need to go, Mm -hmm. go back and look at it, but you're looking at, you know, certain dominoes that keep falling today that were that were put in motion i mean i i often will you know think about like um when i was a child coming out of the house and you know it's a hot july day and there's a very old black man i mean must you know in my child's eyes he looks like he's 80 years old and he's climbing up and down a ladder painting the house and there's sort of a childlike sense of like that's off you know like my my grandfather doesn't climb up and down a ladder on a hot day like this and sweat. And it looks like, you know, he's looking gray. He's not looking good. And then I go to my mom and I, I say, mom, you know, what's wrong with this man? Like he seems, it seems like he needs help. Like what's he doing? And, and it's explained to me like, oh honey, um, you know, he's working. We're helping him. He needs money for his family. You know, this is a good thing we're doing. Is not is it a good thing well I think I think well I mean i th- I think the the good thing is probably for everybody to you know get together and, and say, obviously social security, if there was such a thing, didn't work out for this guy uh you know he <laughs> slid through the cracks um but I think that that he's indicative of a lot of people sliding through the cracks, you know um but that's a particular kind of explanation that I feel like is is unique to us and that we're you know it's not just that we other that we're othering somebody else which I think every you know every society and community does it's that we've it's like it's like we've it's that we've accepted that something that you know on the surface anywhere else will look um unjust and broken you know broken af (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, we've been, you know, conditioned to sort of just say, "Oh, not only is this normal, but it's fine, mm. and and perfectly acceptable." Um, in fact, it's kind of like in the operating system of how we work together, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, and I and I'm not. I mean, I'm not here to like. I I also think I mean like to to your point about uh, the protesters at the Capitol. And then those protests that turned, you know, some of them turned into riots, and then some of them turned into like, you know, these these crazy, almost like uh, occupations, like in Portland. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, the funny thing is that both of those sides would refer to themselves as woke. You mm-hmm. know, one of them would, you know, be wokeness as mm-hmm. the slang for this kind of militant political correctness that I, I find really unhelpful. Um, you know, in, in these kinds of conversations, because it, it's not a conversation, you know, it's usually, it's usually the, the, the slap across the face to end the conversation uh, or at least it's used like that. But then on the other side, you know, uh, I was just listening to you know, QAnon was waiting on inauguration day for the, the great awakening. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's a kind of a, a wokeness. That's what you mean. They, yeah. They're both of them, both to them the see truth. themselves yeah. yes, as, mm-hmm. as woke, mm-hmm. as woke to the truth. And um, and I don't I don't think that it's terribly I don't think it's terribly helpful to come at these things as being, you know, finally, the scales have fallen from my eyes and you people are all idiots as much Mm -hmm. as I feel like I feel like in some ways the scales have fallen from my eyes. But it just makes me feel um, a lot more a lot more sympathy toward, you know, those who are who are, you know, like, like me and there's a sense of like something's wrong, but it's really hard to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to, it's really hard to even get a, get my, you know, a handle on like, well, what is it? Mm-hmm. You know? Cause it's, it's messy. It's
0: kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, I love what you're saying here. Just, I mean, in the sense of how, like, what is the problem? And, and I mean, this this is probably what it means to live in this kind of 2020 pandemic, postmodern, post-Trump world where everything is like that. Like, yeah. what's going on with religion? Right. Well, I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. What's going on with the global economy? I mean, it's so complex yeah. and interwoven and... And there are problems. Right. And so it's kind of humbling. Maybe that's what's distasteful about wokeness in general. There's there's really not an ounce of humility in most of the name calling and calling out and, you know, canceling and everything else that comes with it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think we're not, I mean, you could say I'm just like a, a white guy sitting and talking on a podcast. You're a white guy talking on a podcast, but <laughs> you also go to work every day with other people of color having trying to have a conversation about what is the problem?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, and, and as, um, as simple as it seems, and it's really not that simple because, you know, I know, I know how difficult it is, um, to sort of build relationships and to really make them like a permanent fixture. But that has been far and away the most, the most helpful thing I, I, I've, I've ever done and not even, Um, just as an, is an issue, but as a human, you know, Mm -hmm. to have, uh, I know daily, you know, Daryl Ross too, and Jorge Gonzalez are the guys that I run the organization with. And, and the way that we've set it up is that we, there's no, nobody's in charge. You know, we're, we're, we're all equally in charge, which means we all have to have conversations together. And then there's the relationship of trust that's built up so that, um, you know, we, we can, we can have really candid conversations, you know, and we can have really tense conversations. Um, and cause there is, there is a, a ton of, uh, a ton of tension, you know, even, even in, in, in having all of the best intentions, it, you know, to cross the divide. It's like, I, the, the cultures um, have, have, sort of evolved over time to just be so different that when they come together, it's like there's, there's sparks and there's Mm -hmm. friction and there's a lot of misunderstanding. And, and, you know, it's a process of being human to kind of like, you know, look at it and say, well, you know, in this, in this conversation, am I trying, is there really a a goal in being right? or, Or is there an outcome in being right? Or is there, you know, do all the outcomes sort of lie on the other side of just, can we understand each other, Mm -hmm. you know, and, yeah, and, uh, and, and come to what feels like it's the best, (laughs) the best, the best solution that all of us together could come up with. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm describing, you know, some, what's become like the Sesame street view of Congress and it feels (laughs) like it's extinct or something, but I mean, it works. Um, yeah. I, and another thing that I,
0: I think maybe is worth just commenting on is is what you said about um, well isn't the structural racism like the lack of voting rights and you know Native Americans being a what is it a third of a person um, or two fifths I don't remember exactly. Yeah. Um, is
1: that the, the, the three in fifths in the constitution? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah. but anyway, that, that was a long time ago. Um, oh, right. and, and, you know, part of me is, is sympathetic to that be, because if somebody says you're a racist, right. Because you're an American and you're white Yeah. and, um, And it's built into your system. See, it's right here on the piece of paper. And I think, well, I wasn't around then, right? You know, and my dad is an immigrant, yeah. And you know, sort of not my problem. Um, So I I understand, kind of. I guess I'm somewhat sympathetic to the to the resistance to being painted in such broad strokes.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, Totally. On the other hand, Uh something I've learned that's analogous with how I think about the Bible and and Maybe even what you could call um, the religious, uh, whats the right word for it, the religious posture that's mm-hmm. deep in human beings, which I think there is. So, <clears throat> with the biblical text, like I, I often think these stories from a human evolutionary point of view happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like Abraham, Jonah, Jesus, yesterday. <laughs> In, yeah. in, in, and and yeah. also the psyche doesn't keep time doesn't keep time. Like we keep time, right? The psyche doesn't say 2021. I mean, so much different than 1890. No, there's no, like, that's not how the unconscious works. It's not how the collective unconscious works as far as we know. Um, so the idea that, that I was, I was watching this program on an archeological dig, um, um, a slave, uh, with a slave ship. And I thought that's, that was yesterday. Yeah. From the psyche's point of view, and I think that's just worth pointing out. That hmm. on the one hand, you're right. 2021 is different. I think about my son. He's 16. He has friend. He's in a mostly white school. You would say from the outside, but he yeah. has he has friends that are that are people of color and right. from different cultures, and that it's not. As far as I can tell, that's not an issue. Like right. he's not thinking I have friends of color, which, which that gives me a lot of hope just yeah. in the sense of, okay, things are quite a bit different. We'll see how, how it plays out. On the other hand, um, it was just yesterday that we packed people into ships. Yeah. Um, and that's maybe the other side that's equally important. It's like a paradox. I'm saying Two opposing things. <laughs>
1: well, I like I like that framing of, like, the psyche moves really slowly. You know, institutions move really, really slowly, mm-hmm. too. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, to put it into context, I mean, my mom in college, you know, went on a date with my dad where, you know, in their own sort of, like, 1968 version of wokeness, you know, went to a Klan rally uh, to see what all these, you know, idiot rednecks were doing. That was this is in North Jesus. Carolina. Now yeah, they got there and I mean it wasn't more than a couple of minutes before they realized like they were they were around something that was way more dangerous than they thought. Mm-hmm. Um and and they split. Uh but in I mean, in that context it's like and then my mom as a child, you know, she grew up where obviously there was the, you know, the famous image of the water fountains where mm-hmm. were colored and white. Um, but also just, I mean, racism as like, like the open, the open race, the white supremacist version of racism, mm-hmm. like the kind that we, you know, we freaked out cause it showed up in the Capitol. Like that kind of racism was like, um, it wasn't so hidden. No. I yeah. mean, it was it, yeah. it, was, it, it was, it was, it was, it was no weirder than saying you were yeah. Lutheran. Like, yeah, but yeah, um, by, by and, the way, <laughs> and that was, I mean, but. I mean, that's, that's lived experience that in, you know, she grew up in that house, gave birth to me. I grew up in her house. Like these are, these aren't threads that were like long ago, Mm -hmm. you know, that have been separated. I mean, this is, this is, yeah. Yeah. This is part of overlapping lifetimes.
0: It's an illusion that we have. Yeah. I think from modernism and I think from certain expressions of postmodernism that were, Born sort of tabula rasa. Yeah. And
1: I don't even know what tabula rasa
0: means. Blank slate. (laughs) Blank slate. We're born a blank slate. And it's all a matter of culture that Mm -hmm. forms us. It's like the nature nurture sort of debate. Yeah. But I think a lot of people, sort of without thinking too carefully, have sided with well, I get to choose, basically. That's right. the more modernist. I get to choose my own existence. You know? yeah. The postmodernism is, is more <laughs> like you're born into a, a culture that shapes your worldview. I mean, it's kind of confusing because yeah. postmodernism would say that's also an illusion, but then it's also the thing we should be paying attention to. So there's like some, I don't know, irony built in there. But yeah. my main point was um, it's an illusion. That's an illusion. where yeah. w- There are threads, like you said. There, There's an ancestry here. There's... There are um, lifetimes of beliefs and ideas that I think in a way are passed on. They're passed on in the structure, structural mm-hmm. systems, for sure. They're passed on in the language. They're passed on in the attitudes. And they're probably even passed on in the unconscious, like DNA in a way. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean you can't go through radical transformation. I think that's part of the, the great, speaking of great awakening, that's what's mm-hmm. needed, a kind of radical transformation. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not saying we're without hope, but I think it's stupid to think, um, you know where, you know we come in just blank like that. Yeah, and I mean yeah. it so reminded me of my parents too because my parents went to Bob Jones in South Carolina, and interracial dating was banned at the school, and um and I, also and also a sin, which that's important. I, think I heard
1: somewhere it was banned until something like two thousand and. Seven or something like that. I mean, it that was, would not it was, surprise it a ridiculously me. long time. That would not yeah. surprise me. And but, but also, I mean, that kind of stuff. I mean, sorry to, you know, cut off the point. But I think, you know, and there's definitely always going to be kind of like these fringes, you know, where this stuff is going on. Um, and is that it, and that in some ways is a distraction.
0: Yeah. Okay. Again, I agree. The extremes take up the. T- the fringes take up the airtime right yeah. now in a culture obsessed with the urgency of the ticker, the CNN ticker or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, however, I disagreed strongly with Biden and others who were saying this is not our country when they were talking about the riots because mm. I think that's bullshit, you know? Right. Uh, it, it's actually... Right. If it
1: weren't our country, why is
0: it happening? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. This sure. is not who we are. No, this is who we are. And that's actually the great... Task to to face up to that, and even to to take a careful look at the at the fringes and 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 what how ideology is attractive and contagious, Mm -hmm. and uh, how mass movements can take over people who would otherwise be relatively civil. No, we have to say this is our country, not pretend. That's why it made me so uncomfortable. Like. Um, as the Democrats were taking power, the way I really thought it was an opportunity to start speaking differently, to end the the dualism. Right. Um, but it's the same consciousness, you know. It's yeah. like it's like you know. No offense, but you know, Kamala Harris says now you know now we're unified. It's just such BS. Like mm-hmm. you just happen to win the election. That's what happened. And right. eighty million people agree with you sort of yeah. <laughs> and 75 million people don't or whatever the numbers happen to bear out. So it's yeah. like, I think it's better to say, first of all um, I don't think it's helpful to say we're more divided than ever. I, I, I don't, I'm not saying that let's go around saying we're more divided than ever. That just, right. you create the reality that you end up speaking about. However, um, to pretend that, you know, Racism would now simply fade into oblivion because yeah. of the Democrats, you know. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, we so. elected
1: the the first black president, and everybody just sort of thought, like, you know, I thought it was over. Yeah. I thought we did it. We did. it. I know. It. We 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 dusted <laughs> off our, uh, you know, our jeans or whatever, and I cried. You know, I yeah, don't know why was, I cried. I mean, it, well, I mean, it was. I mean, it was. It was pretty. I mean, it was pretty moving. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's like one of those things where. You know, it's like, wow, that like, we did it. Yeah. Who, who knew we could do that? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, something that I was thinking about, um, and if this is, if this is too, you know, if it's getting more into the esoteric and, and irrelevant, you know, let's just come back to something more interesting. But, um, but I also have this sense that like, uh. It's like we, we take evil, right? We want to see ourselves caught up in this story of like great story between good and evil. Yep. And we kind of take our, it's almost like we, we take our fears of what's, you know, what's happening. And then we give it this kind of like mythic evilness. It's like here, you know, it's the devil. Like we definitely grew up in homes that were, you know, big into like the devil. Mm -hmm. Um, in all of in all of those wily sort of ways, um, that's that's the QAnon thing. It's like yeah, yeah and, Democrats
0: are pedophiles and they worship, worship Satan yeah. and they eat children.
1: But we're all but we're all on that continuum, you know. It's exactly. like exactly. I mean, yeah. I, so I I was just thinking back, you know, about how I think it was like, I don't remember the exact date, but let's say I'm going to throw out a date because it was in the in the neighborhood. It was like October 11th, 1988, and <laughs> and like Jesus was supposed to come back. Totally. And and it I probably Pat Robertson or somebody had predicted it. And just it was just kidding. It was so hot as far as like a topic amongst our religious community. Um, you know, my religious I say religious community as if I grew up in a commune. It was, you know, living in the suburbs of Chicago. Um it was such a hot topic. Like, I didn't do my homework that night. I stayed up late playing video games. I was like, here it comes. Like, second coming. This is gonna be it um yeah here we go you know i mean I, I laid awake for a long time you know thinking like how is this gonna work like will i see the clouds part and mm. i think he's riding i think it's jesus on a white horse there might be an army totally um but like will it happen in jerusalem like will i find out about it over the news like Will everybody see Jesus? You know, mm-hmm. and there's just all, all sorts of logistical problems that you immediately <laughs> run into with the second coming. Um, and when we go up to meet the Lord, where do we go from there? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's only a few degrees away from Q, and and what I just described is only a few degrees more, you know, more radical than those of us who grew up in like more tame homes but definitely believed in you know a heaven and a hell and mm-hmm. like a satan is you know trying to influence you and even though those of us who sort of like graduated to the more intellectual places of um you know christendom or, yeah. or religion it's still like i can't let go of that virgin birth thing you know i mean so it's like it, I i i i don't i don't i feel like we're all you know if there's like 50 ships that are all strung together with a rope it's kind of like we're hopping from one ship you know to another ship and then way out on the edge you got yeah you know the weird extremists you know and you got the the people who who are so convinced that the lord is returning they've got a bunker full of like insurer you know Mm -hmm. vitamin drink and stuff um but I mean, there's I, my life experience has been like I've kind of gone in between a bunch of those boats mm-hmm. <laughs> along the way, you know, and and it's like a you know I might have gone, let's say if the middle is just pure, I don't know, logic and reason or something, mm-hmm. you know, I, I spent some time there and then came out into you know into into where we are now, and it sort of I mean, and and that sense is. There is kind of a sense of like, we're aware of evil. You know, let's say racism is an evil, right? It was like an institutionalized. I think it's a good word for it.
0: Uh, You know, I I think actually I was kind of impressed with the Dominican sisters that issued a statement and they said something which I thought I found particularly powerful. They said, uh, racism is a sin. I was like, oh man, that's, that's a good use of that, that word. Amen. Like, Amen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're going to use all <laughs> sorts of religious <laughs> words today.
1: No, but I, yes, I mean, that is, I mean, when we said sin, we weren't talking about like 13 year old boys masturbating, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we were talking about like, what are the, what are the things that humans, it, you know, or humans or maybe better like social, you know, social societies, um, have accepted as purely um not just fine but just how it works the status that are quo. actually so completely degrading dehumanizing um, and dehumanizing yeah, that's right. that yeah. uh that we ourselves are 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 so you know unwoke that we're 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 degrading you know we're we're degrading even just what it means to be a human by mm-hmm. by accepting yeah you know that this is just the norm, and I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing to call uh, a sin, but it also means that that sin is going to be, you know, something that you're going to work with probably your whole mm-hmm. life as far as the, um, yeah, the work, the work of seeing it, and mm-hmm. the work of coming up with like, oh God, you know, what does what does one person do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you use your time for? Yeah, um, how are you going to, you know in the day with a little bit less suffering in the world than when it started. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's a stance of uh, responsibility
0: versus a stance of kind of apology or shame or... I mean, I do find a lot of white people right now sort of falling falling over themselves, apologizing for their whiteness. And I think something that seems off mm-hmm. with that, yeah. like um, it seems like, okay, so then... Because you're sort of apologizing for whiteness, you get a pass on taking responsibility. Is that yeah. it, or is it? I mean, a lot of it. I mean, I felt uncomfortable with the, with the sort of Instagram craze of the black screen or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just thought, hmm. actually, what started to make me uncomfortable at first? I thought, oh, this is kind of interesting. Like, it's it, a
1: little it, too easy. It is too easy. It's a, it's a really kind of like. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna begrudge anyone stepping up in solidarity. I think I got a statement from, um, let, let's just say it was a retail store. You know, that's what was, I'm saying. That's where I was like going. And it, it was ga- Target. And <laughs> they gave me the, they gave me the history of Juneteenth. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, wow. Yeah. I suddenly, you know, Thanks. Target's super yeah. interested in yeah. Juneteenth. This corporations.
0: Year? Yeah. Corporations, Black Lives Matter. I and mean, that's, that's where it became it, kind of a joke. And, really. and I don't, it's
1: like, I, it is, I mean, again, like there's so much ground to cover, you know, <laughs> Uh, that I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna slap anybody's wrist, but God, I I wish I what I would really like to see is I would like to see a protest that's all white people all coming up with our own protest slogans that we didn't ask like our black friends to give us yeah. which are their slogans that we're you know, this this allyship where it's like, well I'll come alongside mm-hmm. you you know, as you deal with your problem, it's like, no, we're the like we created the yeah. problem. Racism is a black can I problem. Help, it's a white problem. How can problem. I help
0: you protest? <laughs>
1: yeah. It's yeah. like, well, how about you protest and let me sleep on the couch? Yeah. You know, for a little while. I'm kinda sick of protesting. Yeah. Um Yeah, anyway, sorry. But, but a bit of a soapbox, which I you know, I don't wanna yeah. All right. So I want to take a time out
0: because okay. I asked you about um about 2021 or 2020 and you said i started a meditation practice so oh, yeah. I, I i want you i want to try if All you right. can i'll try to speak to it too well, what's the other side of this so you've been engaged in these kind of difficult conversations around around race and inequality and access to um capital and uh, business and um in a very specific place in the world, in West Michigan, right. and at the same time, you've been meditating. What a waste of time! Like, why don't you, <laughs> why don't you do more posting?
1: Well, I mean, okay. So here's something um, that I'll I'll just open it by saying what I I think if there's anything that anyone can uh, gain from meditation, it's just simply paying attention, uh, and it's such an uh, It's such an undervalued thing to do. So, for instance, uh, very, very early in the pandemic, like right around the time I I was starting to meditate, um, as I was meditating, I started to just pay attention to this feeling of being helpless. Uh, And that was coupled with a feeling of deep frustration that there are people who have power and influence that are just not using their power and influence to do something when it's like the emergency's here like we're not waiting to find out if the building's on fire like mm-hmm. you know we're rattling the doorknobs and they're hot so don't open the door cuz there's smoke everywhere um and so as I was as I was paying attention to that feeling there was then the sense of like well wait a minute what do I have then the power to do so at work this is where it started to go at work um, we had raised a bunch of money that we were going to, you know, get into aspiring entrepreneurs' hands. And it just became really clear, like, wait, we we're, we have money. You know, like $300,000. Not a lot when you're talking about pandemic. Um, but so we I rallied the team together. And about 14 days later, we had, you know, checks from anywhere of, like, from like a thousand to five thousand dollars into the hands of entrepreneurs, which most people don't realize. Like um, entrepreneurs, most of them, especially like new ones, were not at all prepared for what happened. Like they pay themselves last, they put all their money back into the business. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is this is a group of people that you know, surprisingly, even though they own a business, uh, were scared about how they were going to put groceries on the table. Um, so it's like we we turned that around. Uh, really quickly, and and you know that money arrived two months before I think any of the money came down, mm-hmm. you know through the state or the federal government, and that's I mean that's a little story of like these two things are not you know it's not like you sit still and get super serene and then you go answer an email mm-hmm. you know it's like um to to know what the action is to take sometimes you know meditation is like the source (laughs) well uh, or, or meditation helps you practice, you know, really being able to dial into that, that source.
0: Well, yeah. Well, what you said initially was it helps you pay attention. So if you, if you are paying attention to your inner landscape and, and your patterns and you bring some consciousness to that, Oh, there it is. Yeah. Um, it's like exercising a muscle and, it, it translates to you're, you're at work. You're not sitting there, you know, in, in the lotus position at work, but right. you have some practice in paying attention. Like <laughs> what, and also where, you know, when things arise, like from the muse, that's the word, word I would use from the, from the depths, like little whispers. Um, if you're not in, if you're not used to paying attention to these things, like, like the whisper of, Hey, we have money. Maybe we should figure out a way to to get this out to people that need it. Yeah, you know, takes a certain amount of paying attention. If you're if you're only in fight or flight and you're just unaware. Yeah, um, which which I'm not acting like I'm above that. I mean, 2020 wasn't was a, almost a constant, um, a daily invitation. Yeah, <laughs> to to find other ways of being than fight or flight.
1: Well, and um, you don't even have to be fight or flight. I mean, you can be like annoyed <laughs> and distracted. Yeah. You know, it's probably more of the common. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're the right, common right. state you're right. is like, yeah. here are all the people that I find incredibly, you know, annoying and ridiculous. And there's plenty of information coming at us to give us those, you yeah. know, that feeling. And then there's also just, you know, distracted. I mean, and and it's not like meditation is this mm. cure-all. It just It's just a way of like, Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, it's just a way of, uh, again, just starting, starting to pay attention and realizing when you're not paying attention and coming back to paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's so much, there's so much more to, there's so much more to it than I would have ever imagined and so many more practices than I would have ever imagined. But, um, but yeah, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, like COVID has done is. And, you know, it's, is kind of forced, at least for me, it's forced me into the strange place of like, um, being easily distracted, not just by something like the news, but almost like, you know, the habits and like, okay, one day is bleeding into the next, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and nothing seems to be changing. And it's, you know, where, where you would think like, well, but there's so much, you know, so much less activity. It must be really easy to meditate. It's easier to find a time to meditate, but it's, in some ways it's harder to go into a real sense of like this, this moment, you know, that I'm experiencing right now is the only moment, you know, it's, it's the only one Mm -hmm. that exists and, and to like really like inhabit it and sort of have that felt sense of it. Um, You know, it's so incredible, but it's, but in some ways it's even more challenging when everything, you know, every day just feels like the last one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I,
0: I mean, what you're saying, I think is, is kind of powerful. It's like, um, spiritual practices are meant to be of some assistance with the impermanence of life, the terror of being the, uh, the reality that, um, in an ultimate sense, we're not the captain of our own fate, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, they're supposed to work when there's some suffering in the world, but they're, they're often the first to go when everything is great. And you like go to a retreat and you get all fired up, like, I'm going to yeah. start meditating, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's, it's, uh, it becomes, and it, and it fades. Maybe that's the, the, the quickest thing to say. So you get to find out what's what's real and what's not. And I, I, I resonate with what you're saying in, in terms of, I have a boatload of practices mm-hmm. that I have committed myself to, that I have experience with, that work, that mm-hmm. are the first to go. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> like, I know right now. So for me, like... Um, wanders in nature have been a pretty significant part of my own growth in the last yeah. year. And, and oftentimes I get up and I think, uh, what, what's calling to me is the moon right now, but my phone is, is easier. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And, and yeah, it's, I, you're right. It's easier to be distracted and, in a way right now. And I don't think that's, that's going to end too. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe it's in a way it's revealing just how spiritually shallow my life is. And maybe you could say more broadly, just contemporary, (sighs) contemporary spirituality, the state of it, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's paper thin, you know? Um,
1: Anyway, paper thin because um, because if it were robust, you would have a lot more stamina to do these practices or or much more will to break away from, you know, listening to a podcast and, and actually, you know, do the more well spiritual thing.
0: I think spirituality has become another consumer product. You could say, and actually those who have left religious churches or institutions or or faiths um, often have gone that route. I mean, not that they're saying I'm a spiritual consumer, but Mm -hmm. they're hungry for something. And, and so it's like, and there's a little bit of desperation. I've lost my mooring, so I'm going to consume all these things. And there's just something about the time period we're in right now where consumption itself feels Mm -hmm. hollow even if it's like the spiritual consumption, you
1: know? Um, yeah, yeah well, I mean, it, yeah, maybe say a little more about that. Like consumption itself feels hollow, even if it's the spiritual consumption, but what's different about it today than it, what it was.
0: Well, um, let me, let me phrase it differently. Okay. And somewhat personally. So when I've, first started leaving evangelicalism and i would have i would have said something like this i was looking for a new home something like that Mm -hmm. and and i thought catholicism orthodoxy judaism spiritual but not religious atheism um buddhism buddhism was really attractive to me Mm -hmm. um but i thought the problem was i don't have a home
1: mm-hmm. something
0: like that and so consuming podcasts and books and practices like this yeah which I, i'm i by the way i just think this is part of it i'm not even yeah. against this the saying this is somehow the the wrong way to go um i think beneath that is a craving for identity like okay. i don't know who i am but maybe this external form will tell me who I am. I think that's actually the obsession with podcasts right now because it's like um, I want somebody external to tell me you you're you matter, you belong, yeah. you're one of us, we're in this together. Huh. And and I guess that's okay on, on the one hand, but this is where I'm going with it. But But an experience of disidentification is at the core of the trans religious realm of spirituality meaning the the deeper streams of christianity and buddhism and contemporary expressions of whatever um, it's about ultimately disidentifying so it's not i identify as a buddhist yeah. <laughs> or i identify as anything at all yeah. but that's that's an experience <laughs> so that's what i mean it can leave us feeling yeah. somewhat vacant. And when you're feeling vacant, you're at the edge of the abyss, which is right. kind of right where you need to be.
1: Well, and and it's kind of like, uh, you know, I always refer to, you know, cause it's not really of any sort of religion, you know, other than like maybe a Disney religion. Um, even though it's, it's a DreamWorks movie, like the end of Kung Fu Panda, when he finally gets the magic scroll to find out what the big secret is, it'll, you know, lead him to <laughs> defeating Tao Long the snow leopard Um, you know, he opens the scroll and there's nothing in it of course. And it's like just this reflective surface so that he can only see his face. And it's like, it's that total cliche (laughs) of like you had all you needed all along. But I think that um, that cliche is also, it comes from, it comes from something that is really ancient and deep and true. But the thing is we keep, you know, we keep thinking that our brain is going to sort of take us there. And also I think, Maybe more importantly, we keep expecting a radical transformation, which is a phrase you used Mm -hmm. when we were talking earlier. I think about like, uh, you know, racism or waking up or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I'm I'm I think that uh, (laughs) I'm much more interested and I hope I want the world to, you know, get a lot more interested in just habitual transformation. Yeah. Of like I, yeah. I've got I've got ten minutes Good to to point. be aware yeah. now. I've got yeah. I'm gonna, you know, at six a.m. I'm gonna sit down at my computer and I'm going to write because writing, you know, for me, I'm speaking also personally, you know, writing for me has always been something that's felt like like a marker of like, well, when I finally, you know, have time or I finally yeah. have enough to say or I find And it's like, it's almost like the word finally, you know, needed to start um, getting put down on a post-it note. I'm making this up, but maybe it's a really good idea. But like putting it down on a post-it note and then just like, okay, fill in the blank. Finally, finally what? Yeah. Like finally I would write. Finally I would meditate. Finally I would like, you know, start working out. Or finally Mm -hmm. I would, you know, eat a better breakfast. Like there's, it it seems like it's more of... um, yeah yeah just uh accepting accepting kind of um an awareness of what's going on and then just like stepping into it and i think that that's Hmm. it's probably something that the ego really shines away from because there's nothing heroic or transcendental yeah about it and yet yeah it is it is completely about just becoming aware of yourself. Well, you know? yeah, let me let me in your place in this world and your purpose. Let let me try to uh,
0: Okay, so I've been spending a lot of time thinking about transformation because I'm working on a new book and I'm trying to do, I'm using the kind of the the story of Jonah as a sort of spine. Mm-hmm. And I I see well, I used to think there were five kind of phases um or stages or something like that, but I think there are actually six. And um Maybe the first point I would say is whatever we mean by transformation is exactly what you're describing as a a sl- a slow process, and I think we do want. Maybe it's left over from Christianity, like Jesus will sweep in from the clouds and fix everything, mm-hmm. or I'm going to come up out of the water and you know God's going to speak to me and there's going to be a dove and I'm going to be enlightened or whatever. Yeah. Um, and or, or
1: even on a, but I think even on a, like a a basic level, you know, I was always taught that I was going to receive a calling Mm -hmm. and it it was kind of like, I would just know. Yeah. I would know when, when God had called me and that was, I I think the, the germ of that, um, you know, from very early on in life, like even it kind of doesn't matter how, how, uh, you know, non-religious or, or more universal or whatever it is that you do, wherever you go, Whatever you do, you'll find that like these kind of like germs that got attached to you when you were a kid have a way of like, it's like they're in there for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, who who cares what the reason is. But like, doesn't matter if I'm studying Buddhism, if I'm meditating, if I'm, you know, if I'm, you know, laying hands on people and praying for demons to come out or something like it's, it's still there. And it's asking, you know. To the, be dealt with. Some people would say, you know, there's people would be like, well, it's, you know, it's, it's coming up from a past life. And other people would be like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's the devil. It's our generational cycles and curse. It's like, I, I don't care why. Let's just pay attention to yeah. it's there.
0: Yeah. I mean, just to, to settle in and say, this is a reality yeah. that I'm experiencing. And it shaped my kind of worldview early on. Yeah, and it's both maybe attractive and repulsive at the same time. But it it calls for my attention, not my, not you know, some sort of pressing down or yeah. or denying or or even renaming it as something more preferable to my whatever I think I currently believe about stuff. Right. Um. I, I think another. I th- I want to say something more about transformation because. Something I I sort of got from Bill Plotkin, but also from kind of my own musing in my in my new book. One of the interesting things that he says is that um, what happens sort of after we have some kind of revelatory experiences, which I um, you can maybe push back on if you want, but let's just call them encounters with mystery, a sense of awakening. I'm going to use a bunch of terms: Um, numinous encounters. Um, a sense of uh, my life is not what I thought, you know, Mm -hmm. you could call them breakthroughs or breakdowns. And sometimes I think they're the same thing really. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think human beings, um, I think everybody, regardless of race and religion and spirituality or no spirituality have this capacity. But what's happening in my opinion is that the ego is getting cracked. That's actually what's happening. Who Mm -hmm. I think I am gets shattered in some way. Now, mm-hmm. what I initially thought, but even based on sort of my own kind of revelatory experiences that I would be transformed. See, mm-hmm. I had this strange, inexplicable, wordless experience. Mm-hmm. Boom. But it doesn't seem to work that way. It's like, it's like the ego afterwards is still a thing. Oh yeah. And it, it's yes. almost as if, what needs to happen at that point is the ego needs to begin its own process of dissolving and transforming and changing. Instead of getting rid of the ego, it's the thing that needs um to be molded. Maybe that's even a good way of putting it. Yeah. Bill Plotkin uses the cocoon, you know. So, like in the cocoon, the the butt, you know, the caterpillar becomes kind of soup. Let's yeah. just take that as the ego, you know. It gets dissolved. And that's the thing that, all right, so I've had these experiences, but it's six o'clock in the morning. I'm working on a book. Am I going to go for a walk outside? You know, it comes down to these, to offering a kind of, offering ourselves um,
1: to the process of ongoing shaping. I I think that if the ego were to suddenly dissolve or die or, you know, whatever this kind of like drastic, Mm-hmm. You know, transformation languages, I think we would be i think that's what happens when somebody's like a schizophrenic, yeah. you know it's like losing all so, in all connection to a sense of who I am and then who I am can just become anything in any given moment and and any thought can be real, you know yeah. as it's just passing through my <laughs> head and i but I think that um i i I think you're right. I had an experience, and I think this is quite common people to have the, um, the experience of like, uh, you know, I, I went on a, I went on a trip. I was like a spiritual trip. I think we talked about it, uh, prior to me leaving. I went away to North mm-hmm. Carolina and when I returned, it was, you know, all sorts of things that happened that week it was a phenomenal week. When I came back, I was having that moment that you start to, you know, you hear about, um, more and more, especially if you, if you've had it where I was having that, like, sense of like um, you know everything I'm part of everything Mm -hmm. everything's part of me yeah everything just feels friendly and warm this is unitive Unitive. yeah this is the most amazing feeling it's kind of you you know whatever whatever you throw out there is like the you know the grand goal of like spirituality (laughs) this is probably you know it probably sounds like what I what I was experiencing and, you know, I joked that, you know, that was on a Saturday, and I joked that, like, enlightenment lasts until Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, because what happened is immediately everything just came crashing down. And it was, you know, I describe it as like a spaceship re entering the atmosphere, and mm-hmm. it's 1600 degrees on the surface of the ship, and all the lights are flashing and blinking. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> And it be you know it began a nice prolonged period of crisis. I mean, there were circumstances that were happening that I couldn't get out of, like mm-hmm. you know, work and in my marriage, um, and and then there was also just sort of the inner turmoil. I started having pains, like, mm-hmm. and not kind of like the um, you know, I mean, these were these were like um, I mean, I guess they would call it like somatic pains. You know, mm-hmm. it'd be like I have um, I have a feeling. Like I want, I feel like, let's say I'd feel the pressure to really, you know, be somebody mm-hmm. um, in a moment. Well, that would, I would suddenly notice like that is a, like a lightning bolt up the right side of my spine. You know, I would have a yeah. feeling of feeling sad. That would be mm-hmm. this like intense pain in like my lower right ribs. And I was, and, and I'm sitting there thinking like, am I, I'm, I must be going <laughs> insane yeah. right now. And it seemed like everything was happening, but it was also kind of like the okay here's the suffering that's asking you to just do something you know like change um but but not necessarily in the you know go away and be in the wilderness for a week it was like come on we're going to really yeah. yeah you you gave you gave your wife that snarky you know, comment again. That's right. what it comes down to. All right, to. let's go That's, back. Yep. We're going yep. to try it again. Yep. We're going to try it again. We're going
0: to try it again. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about, that it's like the ego has to undergo something.
1: Yeah. Just because
0: yeah. you have the scales fall from your eyes, like in the Paul story, doesn't mean you don't have a lot of work to do. I mean, it's like 15 years later before he starts traveling around, you know, yeah. or or to take it more specifically, the, the scales are, he's blinded by this experience of, you know, Jesus. Yeah. And, but, but then he can't see for three days. Yeah. So it's not like, I think that's just a, an interesting image. You'd think divine encounter would be like, yeah. oh, it all makes sense, that's but the, actually that's the it's, perfect, blindness. it's the perfect yeah. image. It, yeah. It's
1: like, um, you know, I think Ramdas said about mushrooms. Mm-hmm. He said they're, they're an amazing window, but a terrible door. And mm. the, the concept <laughs> behind that is like, yeah. it's, you know, is that you can see into the possibility but then when it's over, you're like crash right back mm. and there's no, yeah. you know, it's not the door that you walk through to get to the possibility. The door to get to the possibility, you know, is, I, yeah, I yeah. think that just kind of like day to day, I've got to become really, really interested in uh, making macaroni and cheese for my kid.
0: No, (laughs) no, seriously. When
1: normally I would be like, you know, uh, spiritual bypassing into a podcast or, or something. Yep. Yep. I think what
0: you're describing, first of all, I really resonate with too, because, you know, as you know, I've spent a lot of time in wild places with animus and, and also my own sort of retreats and it's, it's an interesting experience. You can easily conclude, well, what I need is to get back out there again. Yeah. And I think yeah. I mean that's part of the human I think we do need a balance. We do need to we do need to say no to mainstream Western culture and and find ways to
1: Well and let me tack on to that. Yep. There's not only the need to get back out there, but the persistent sense that you're doing something wrong when you're not out there, that you're in like a, right. a perpetual That's right, a very slow state of
0: failure. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I mean it's it's sort of uh I mean, I guess that's I would call that, the language I would use, is a kind of spiritual escapist, you know? And my real spiritual life is when I'm wandering in the woods or whatever and not making macaroni and cheese. But I think, I mean, I got this from Jung. I mean, Jung is saying that the, 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 the process of becoming more whole is... to put it simply an integrative process. Mm -hmm. So the ask is how much more can I integrate, which means collecting up more and more and more of who I am and both internal and external and the, Mm -hmm. and the sort of conduit that's between the internal and external words. It's like nothing then is off limits. It's like the it's, but it's a, it's not that you can just cross over the threshold and there you are. It's right. We have too much experience in dividing our life up like this. And, um, and maybe that's, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe we are now trying to answer what's been happening in, in 2020. Not that we're like more integrated now, but it's just like the, the ask is what about this? Okay. I can't go anywhere. You know how much time I've spent traveling, I mean, since in the last 20 years of my life, flying here, flying there, doing speaking here, speaking there, going to the Middle East, coming back, you know, it's like, no, all gone, evaporated, just nothing but, but, you know, a puff of smoke Mm -hmm. and all right, so what now, where am I, where am I and, and what's happening in my world? Um, And and is, is my spiritual life somewhere else or is it here? Is my Because I've said for a long time, I, I, this is a line from my own book, that your actual life is your spiritual life. Well, that's a, that's a lovely thing to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, makes for a great sentence. It's a much more difficult and sort of ego-destroying thing to, to begin to, to experience, I guess. Yeah. It's like, no, I mean your actual life. This is your spirituality, you know, right. this, if all, if, if you have spent three and a half hours down the rabbit hole of, of TikTok or something, mm-hmm. okay, this is, this
1: is it. This is your actual life. Yeah. And I don't know. So yeah. Well, and come back to it and, and ask the question, like, how do I feel about that? Mm-hmm. Is that something I want to do again? If not, what is the thing I would want to do? <laughs> and and just start over, you know, I mean, yeah. like if you could, God, I mean, if you could, if you could pull your kids aside when they're beating the, you know, crap out of themselves yeah. for something that, that they did and you, and you can just say like, okay, you know, it, it happened, mm-hmm. it's done, but now let's, let's just start over. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. And yet it's like the exact opposite thing that we will do for ourselves yeah you know? yeah i
0: mean that's the I, I suppose that's the buddhist notion of the beginner's mind and still we hear that and we think yeah but i want to be the expert you know but the, i mean that's mm-hmm. what the phrase is saying is saying no the expert is the one that yeah all right so begin again
1: one of the oh okay so you know one of the um my, by the way so with meditation if anybody's interested in meditation i uh, the sam harris uh app waking up is my favorite. Yep. You turned me on to that. Super great source. Um, but so there's a series in there by Henry Shookman about koans and I won't go into koans. It's a Buddhist, you know, tradition, sort of like, you know, these, these sayings that are kind of like, come from somewhere else. They're not, they're not riddles. They're not puzzles. It's just like something that almost like, it's almost like you process them in the non-thinking mind, Mm. you know, it's a kind of a way of like, just i don't know exercising that kind of thing but one of the ones uh, is a story about you know a uh, a master um who who comes across a, a traveling uh apprentice right so they so she's traveling from town the apprentice sort of traveling from town to town and visits a temple you know visits the master and and the master says well what do, you know what are you doing? And he's like, I'm on pilgrimage. And the master says, well, what's pilgrimage? And, you know, and this is like the moment where he's like, the friend is like, I don't know. And I love, that. and then the master, and this is my favorite. He's, he says, not knowing is most intimate, which sounds, you know, maybe that sounds kind of silly, But I mean, I like, I like thinking about that when, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're talking about things like beginner's mind or something, really just that sense of like, not knowing can be the most visceral feeling of being in, you know, in your life, in your body, in who you are and in the moment, Mm -hmm. because you have, you're not trying to know what's happening, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, yeah. Well, it's sort of, um, I just, ex- by the way, I just explained a co Yeah, which i, not supposed I to completely do. Yeah, yeah. not <laughs> at all. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter what you think the yeah. explanation is. I think maybe, maybe just to add to that,
0: um, I think maps and models are important of the terrain. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of what I'm committed to as just a writer and even these podcasts and, um, it's good to have a sense of the terrain. Um, even the Cohen is a story, you know? Right. So it's like, what terrain are we wandering around in? Um, but that's still, that's way different than, than experiencing it. And, yeah. and yeah, totally. I love this Cohen because it's like, well, I'm on pilgrimage, you know? Right. Well, I'm, I'm what a spiritual seeker or well where, well, here's where I am in the process of transformation. You know, forget all that, yeah. you know, like uh, there's a, there's a lovely story with, um, uh, James Finley comes to Thomas Merton, maybe I've told you this before, but James Finley comes to Thomas Merton and says, um, they're studying, uh, Teresa of Avila's, um, castles, you know, there's Mm -hmm. seven castles and again, another map. And he says, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm in castle four, you know, Mm -hmm. but I'm okay if you tell me I'm, I'm in three, you know? Yeah, um, I'll be okay with that. And he's like, it's none of your damn business. You know, go and wash the dishes. That's what he says. None of your damn business. <laughs> and that's that's precisely it. It's like, okay, maps and models are help- helpful. They're good to have conversations about. Mm-hmm. It's good to be reminded that there's there's an intelligence to the soul, maybe to the divine, to the universe, to transformation That is that we need to be in conversation with. But it's none of your damn business at the same time. You know, like yeah. it's, it's good to say, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea. I don't even know what pilgrimage is. Right. So where am I right now? You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and Oh my God. I mean, and you can, yeah, you get to the point where you can kind of almost like you can, you can smell it. Um, when people are, uh, they're trying, it's like, they're, they're trying to explain everything, you know, it's like, um, it's like spirituality is somehow the, uh, (laughs) The, you know, the, the code to unlocking everything. And it's, I mean, I think definitely we grew up in that kind of space. A lot of, you find that a lot in, in people who are willing to get up and preach from whatever kind of like tradition they're coming from. Yeah. Explaining um, everything. But yeah. and But it's almost like that, that, that never ending thirst that like constantly, constantly um, you know, seeking starved mind that's like, there's got to be a reason and if I can you know, if I can get it and I can unlock it, then I ah I'll that's what has be to die. That's what has to die. That's
0: what yeah. has to be go into the tomb. That's what has to be swallowed by the fish. And yeah. and that's a real breakdown and breakthrough at the same time. And and you can't manufacture it. It's like I mean I think about this I've I've complained about the enneagram and and fill in the blank with other s- systems they're just too convenient they're they they explain
1: yeah. away the world Well it's it's kind of like um you know they kind of like give it, yeah it's it's like a job placement for you know recovering addicts in bars and like marijuana dispensaries or something you know it's kind of like it's like an Enneagram almost has way too many tools to just excite the ego. It into does. Using the it ego loves a, it. It's
0: like, Oh my God, yeah. finally. I, I mean, now,
1: I think it's, I think it's a really useful yeah. tool, but it's so easily. Well, yeah, it's, it's so just the, misused. the ego
0: can get its teeth into it. Yeah. And, and the problem with that is that it, it, as much as it can be enlightening, cause I found some interesting things when it first discovered it, whatever, 15 or more years ago. But it's like, um, what we were describing before, which is the ego continuing to be dismembered, it can short circuit that, you know, yeah. it, it, you can come out the other side of your first kind of shock, like, oh my God, I'm actually yeah. like this. It's kind of embarrassing Yeah. to, well, now that explains my marriage. This explains my work life. So-and-so's mm-hmm. a one, I'm a five, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. And the ego's like, I don't have to do it a damn thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, now I'm... Yeah. I mean there's nothing worse than the than the spiritually woke yeah. self. And I know from experience like when you are spiritually woke it's worse than being just regular woke oh, because yeah. you're you're involving God, you're involving spirit, you're involving you know and you can't yeah. be touched, you know, you know it's like well, you know, I'm I've experienced kind of spiritual enlightenment. You can't yes. even question it. You know, there's nobody
1: that's better <laughs> at pointing that out than your spouse. Um, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I, yeah. And I think uh, it, like even, even meditating, you know, which is something which is like, it, you know, basically boils down to like, think nothing or, or or better said, like don't really become attached to your thoughts. Like yeah. they float, they, they float through something that, that seems like it would be, You know, completely designed to not give the ego something to attach to, Mm -hmm. you know, I've had so many moments where I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm, there's a meditator that's really, like, proud of himself Mm -hmm. for meditating Right now, and thinks that he's doing like a great job meditating, and is thinking about like, you know, what's he going to write about, uh, and and it's like, oh, I've done that a million and it's like, times. Who yeah. is the, And then all yeah, it's like it's, it's like oh, there's the you know that's yeah, it's <laughs> worse. The one who's meditating.
0: It's so embarrassing. I remember even on on I've done a couple of vision fasts, and I you know I remember thinking up points i might make about the vision fast while i'm doing it i'm like who is this person (laughs) who is this relentless spinner of bullshit you know like there he is and and i can't get rid of him you know i just have to say there you are you know like um i see you now And I don't really need your help coming up with points that I might make about this. That's that's embarrassing, though. And that's again, that's that's the ego. That's when you first start to see it. You're like, there it is. Um, (laughs) You know, one of the things speaking of Vision Fast, um, I did this podcast with Pete Holmes like ages ago. And and for some reason, we got onto Vision Fast, which he was trying to turn into a mushroom journey. Or he was trying to find out if it was like the same thing. And um, he's like, well, what did you learn? You know? And all of a sudden just popped into my head this this line, you know? It's like, well, it's a line from a poem. Um, Tell a wise person or else be silent, you know? And this just kind of came out of my mouth. And not that I was like super, spe- like my my experience is so special. Right. I can't even share it with you yeah. right now. No, it was more like just shut your mouth about certain things. Yeah. And same with meditation. I'm a meditator. Just shut your mouth, you know? Right. Just Keep at the keep at the work, and right. and don't talk too much about it. Let it let it have its way with you, yeah. lest lest you become the 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 egoic meditator, you know, right. <laughs> or something like yeah. that. Yeah,
1: because I think I think what I would love to do, because I would love to you know help my children in some sort of way that's distinctly me. You know, I'd love to like get them into a meditation practice, but I think oftentimes what the actual effect if it it just allowing allowing the effect of the work whatever that work is to just happen it's like uh i you know i should give my hug a my son a hug yeah when he wakes up in the morning Mm -hmm. um and then let's see if i can do that every day oh okay and then and then just paying attention like seems like he's you know a a little bit happier when he's around me that seemed to have an effect what's Mm -hmm. is is there You know, do I, do I sense something else that is coming up? You know, Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's, it's just that kind of like really, really just moment to moment. Like what's, yeah, what's here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Am, Am I paying attention to what's here or am I paying attention to the thing inside my head, which is, the you story know, maker. I was writing a blog post about you know what was happening when I was meditating. So I know years, exactly.
0: <laughs> or or I'm going to hug my son and I, I can't wait to blog about this later and yeah, tell people. Yeah, damn it, about... I just ruined it by sharing <laughs> it on this.
1: Podcast.
0: Yeah, well, it just came up by accident, which is kind of a beautiful, a beautiful thing. So, <laughs> who knows? Um, I guess my feeling is that we should probably land the plane here, and yeah. and I also I'm feeling really grateful for for you, just, and your friendship, and, and I don't know, f- for the way, um, I don't know, bringing yourself to the conversation with a kind of um, openness, and I don't know, so I, I I guess I'm expressing some gratitude, and also, I think these kind of unscripted conversations are interesting to me, and about what, what kind of bubbles up and anyway so so thanks for that um yeah. any, anything you want to say kind of as we sort of wrap up
1: no i i think uh i i i love that you created this space yeah i i don't know what's a normal sign off like a, like you need to do like a book plug or you need to a
0: normal sign i don't know when i'll release this but um if you've made it this far i do have a An online program, Lent Descent, five five or six weeks. You can look at my website. Um, It's a small group thing, so and there are a few spots still open. Um, But we kind of actually we discuss sort of a a map of descent and return using the Jonah story. It's my third year doing it. It's really rewarding. Like, not only does the content still seem fresh to me in terms of like my own teaching. but it's the group itself and the way we hold the content and talk about it and what people bring from their own lives. So, anyway, I found it pretty rewarding. I guess it, um, a plug for that. And, um, you know, everything else in my life, in terms of offerings and programs and things like that, that's all still on hold thanks to now 2021. So,
1: brought um, to you by. <clears throat> Moderna and And Pfizer. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And yeah. I forget the other one. one (laughs) All right. Thanks, Paul. See ya.